I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. What a song. Welcome to Gateway Taze Valley. Good to be here. If you're new, if you're new here, if you're old here, ha, none of us are old here, are we? <laughs> Not one, but it's good to be here. Where else would you rather be than with people who love God first and care about each other? And to worship His name together. So, thanks for coming. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're in a series. We're in a year-long series called Foundations. Uh, Preacher Dave talked about it last week. Dave's our senior minister of Gateway. And he gave us the State of the Church address last week. And he said that we're going to have the challenge. And we're going to accept the challenge of digging deeper, discovering more, and doing more of what Jesus wants done. And what a perfect place to begin the parable that Jesus tells about the wise builder and the foolish builder and the, and the difference a foundation makes. So let's turn to that. It's in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, beginning with verse 46, reading through 49. And this is what that passage says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me hears my words and does them, and I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and couldn't shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them, hears my words and does not do them, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. Matthew in his account says, build it on the, on the sand. Uh, this translation says, build on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Building a house without a foundation or foundation on the sand. I kind of think... That was why I was asked to bring this message. Because I know a little bit about rocks. I know quite a bit about sand. You see, Joy and I kind of went to sand school a few years ago. We, we had occasion to go to Abu Dhabi and, and spend some time there. And we went on a tour uh, back into the dunes. And we went back into these things, and for hundreds, I believe we've got a picture of it here somewhere, for miles and miles, hundreds of miles, maybe thousands of miles, all we could see were sand dunes, these mountains of sand that had these beautiful, curvy, graceful waves on the top, but that's about all we saw. Now, we did manage to see a little bit of wildlife. For example, we found this camel. And, uh, you know, if you've ever gotten on or off a camel, you know, that can be a real hoot. And the joy, as you can see here, she's uh, having a real hoot. Uh, getting, I think she was getting off, determined never to do it again. But that wasn't all we saw. It wasn't long after that we saw this falcon. And uh, as you can see, Joy decided to give another hoot when she saw the falcon. And uh, I, I had her buy-in. I, I want you to know I had her buy-in. I didn't have her encouragement to show these, but I did have her buy-in. Well, in sand school, you have to wear a uniform. So here's a picture of the two of us wearing our uniforms. And uh, you can't tell it, but under her uniform, Joy has the sweetest smile. She's always smiling, unless she's giving a hoot. <laughs> 
but we, we saw sand and we saw a little bit of wildlife, but we didn't see many buildings. Because in that area or any area where it's sandy or soft, you're not going to have a foundation that will allow a building to last. Buildings would never last on a foundation like that. And when you build something, you want it to have a solid base so that it will endure. And after all, isn't that the purpose of the parable that Jesus was telling He wanted us to build something that's not going to fall down and not necessarily a house, but the house in the parable represents our faith. And that's what he's telling us about now. He's telling us of these two houses. And can't you just picture them? They're side by side and they have the same storms, the same wind, the same flooding, but one house stands. And the Bible tells us it stood because Luke says it was well built by a man who dug, and he dug deep, and not until he found bedrock did he lay the foundation, and he laid the foundation on that rock. Now, I love the Greek word that's used here for this building down on on the rock. That, That Greek word is the word petra. Not Petros. Petros is the word that Jesus used to call Peter by name. You are Peter. And the word there is Petros, which means a piece of the rock. And and he he made that, that statement to Peter after Peter had said in the 16th chapter of Matthew, verse 16, that you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to that was in Matthew 16, verses 17 and 18. And this is what he said. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which, who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. The word there is Petros, meaning you're a piece of the rock. And upon this rock, it's a different word now, it's the word Petra. And Petra, again, is a massive rock. And upon this rock, this massive solid rock, Will I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Petra, again, means massive. Petra is the name of the capital city of the Nabatean kingdom that uh, was uh, this, this solid rock cliff in South Jordan. Now, you may have seen this cliff before in uh, the Last Crusade or the Indiana Jones films. It's, it's, it's a part of that, but it was also home estimates say, to 20, maybe as many as 30,000 people who carved their homes into this solid rock. And that kind of a massive rock is like the rock upon which the Lord's church has been built. It's that truth, that massive truth that Peter confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation. That's the truth. And it's on that massive truth that the Lord's church has been built. And it's allowed to stand. And it's allowed to withstand the storms of time. And it's that massive rock That the parable builder, this wise builder in the parable, is digging down to anchor his home to. And so he dug, and he dug, and he digs down deep, taking the extra time, the extra expense, the extra effort, until he hits pay dirt. Because after all, solid rock is the only place he could build a solid home that would withstand 
any storm. And that takes a lot of work. It doesn't happen quick. As a matter of fact, the guy that was building on the sand, no foundation, he just threw it up and started, started, started his party. Let's, let's just get it going. And the guy that was building on the rock, he was digging the holes and digging the trenches, digging the ditches, while this other guy was, and he's lazy boy, sipping a cold diet Pepsi, just wishing that Samsung would come along so that he could watch the NFL playoffs. He was living his life. But Rocky, the guy on the rock, he knew what was important, and he knew that solid foundation would pay off. It would prove itself worth it in the end when the inevitable storms of life would come. And there are storms of life. Everyone here today, Every single one of us is in one of three places regarding storms. You're just coming out of a storm. And thankfully, you've come out of the storm. Or maybe you're in the storm right now and the winds are howling. And if neither of those are the case, then you're in the position of about to enter one. You don't know which direction the wind's going to blow. It's not going to be predicted but it will happen. And so he dug. He did a lot of work. He was still digging the holes because he knew this foundation would prove itself. Now, we know there are storms coming. We know there is an eternal storm coming. We heard that last week when Dave brought the message. There is an eternal storm coming. We call it the judgment day when God is going to wipe the grin off the face of a rebellious world who has been thumbing their nose at Almighty God. And they're challenging, the world is challenging the pattern of life that God expects his people to live. And God will take that grin right off their face when that storm comes. And the Bible is clear. The only house that's going to withstand that storm is the house that's built on the truth. The massive truth that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Digging that foundation will be worth it. How do we prepare for that storm? It's the foundation. It's all about the foundation. We need to dig and discover what Jesus wants us to do. And then get busy doing it. That's the way he began this parable. Do you remember that? In verses 46 and 47, he began the parable by saying, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I'll show you what he is like. And then he tells us about the wise man. But he says, it doesn't make sense for you to call me Lord and not do what I say. So Jesus says we should listen up and we should show up. It's what this parable is all about, building our house on the word of God. We have to be like the digger, taking the extra time. Going down deep, going to the extra expense. And I'm sure, don't, aren't you, with all of the, the labor of that foundation work, out in the sun, sore muscles, blisters all over his hand. There were no doubt times he wanted to quit. But he didn't. Because of the value he placed on having a place that would withstand the storms. He needed that solid foundation. So that brings us to this. What kind, of, what kind of value do we have 
upon having a life that's built on that kind of a foundation? How important is it to us to have a life that's built on that kind of a foundation? Capable of withstanding the storms of this life and the next life. It's only by digging, discovering, and doing that we're going to have a solid life. Not just Ford Tough, but forever tough. Forever tough. So how much time are we willing to put into building a life that is forever tough for ourselves and for our children? How much time are we willing to invest in that? Let me ask you, what else are we willing to do with our time? What else are we going to do with it? We have X amount of time. I don't know what the X is. I don't know how much time, but we have a limited supply. What are we going to do with it? We can, like some people, we can waste it. That's what some people do. They're in Margaritaville. (laughs) They're in Margaritaville. They're wasting their time away in Margaritaville. And they're searching. They're searching for... Come on. (laughs) They're searching for a lost... Shaker of salt. What does that mean? What does it mean? They're looking for a law. I don't know what that means, but that's what they're doing. But I do know what Ephesians 5.16 says. It says, make the best use of your time. Make the best use of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. And that's what Paul said to the Ephesus church 2,000 years ago because of the difficulty of those days. I don't think our days are any better I don't think our days are any easier. Paul says, make the best use of your time. And I think he's saying more than, once you find that lost shaker of salt, keep your eyes on it. I don't think that's what he's saying. He's saying get busy digging and discovering and doing what Jesus wants to be done. Some people not just waste time. Other people can... Find ways to spend time. Not just, not just waste it, but spend time on frivolous things. Things that don't really matter a lot. Don't really count for a lot in the eternal scheme of things. Don't add up to a hill of beans. Not necessarily wasting it. They just spend it on lesser things. Or on lesser lasting things. Now, some of us here may have made some New Year's resolutions to get, to get this body in shape. To shape it up a little bit. To make it a little better. And not only have we decided to to make this thing a little better. But we've decided we're going to have to spend time to make that happen. And for many that would be a good thing. And I'm certainly not discouraging that. Do that. But don't do it while ignoring what Paul wrote to Timothy in the fourth chapter of 1 Timothy, verses 7 and 8. Talks about training. Talks about bodily exercise. Talks about taking care of this. But he says it in, these, in this way. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training, the kind of resolution training, or the resolution uh, that we may have made, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the both, both for the present life and for the life to come, which puts a whole new spin on those little lines that say good, better, best, and never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best, which tells us 
that you can always do more, you can always do better, you can always do another pull-up or two, you can always spend another 10 minutes in the gym, you can always run another mile, or you can always get a few more steps, you can always do these things, and those may be true and there may be benefit there, but Paul says, Don't forget that which is most important. And what he seems to be saying is that what we choose to spend our time improving matters too. Are we trying to improve something that really, or trying to improve a disproportionate amount of time on something that doesn't matter as much as something that may make an eternal difference? Let's think. There's a Wall Street Journal article that came out that talked about this phrase, spending time. And the way we use that that phrase of spending time, and we all do that. But this is what that article talked about in terms of spending time. The go-to verb for what we do with time is spend it, according to this article. Researchers say it might be better to think of time as something we invest using our precious hours to accumulate a wealth of fulfillment and meaning that our future selves can draw on. And it goes on to say, time like money can be allocated to building wealth and meaning and happiness in years to come. So let's think about it that way. When it comes to time, let's not think about uh, wasting it or, or spending it. But let's think about investing it. That's what the wise builder did in this parable that Jesus tells us. He invests his time into digging down to foundational and structural uh, solid mass. And then he lays his foundation. And Jesus says, that guy is a wise. That, that's an example of a wise man. A wise woman or a wise young person. Someone who not only listens to the words of Jesus or comes to Jesus and listens to the words, but somebody who actually incorporates the teachings of Jesus into their life and doing what Jesus wants done. Not just spending time, but investing it. Digging down deeper and seeing what Jesus wants done. Or digging down deeper and returning to the things that we know Jesus wants done. Because that's the kind of foundation we want for our life. That's the kind of foundation we want for our kids. That kind of foundation that is solid. That kind of foundation that is built on the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Because only a life that's built on that foundation can withstand any storm of life. And only that life will stand in eternity to come. And so it's wise to build our life on that foundation. Now, how do we do that? Well, I've got some ideas. We can do that with Bible study. Simple, simple. That's nothing new. But there are new ways to do that. There's, there's some... Uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of Bible reading progs- programs that you can read the Bible through in a year. There's a lot of Bibles that are, that are written and indexed and paged in such a way that makes that easier. Uh, for years, several years, I was a part of a study group in St. Albans, and that's what we did. January through December, we would read Genesis through Revelation, and we would get together and talk about it. It was just, just good time spent and great foundational digging. We had a lady uh, in the church named Pooge Nutter. Some of you may know Pooge, remember her. Uh, she's worshiping with Jesus today 
And, and she, she left this life uh, several years ago. But she was a part of those studies, those programs. We'd read it through. And one year she decided, I've read it Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to read it Revelation to Genesis. I'm going to read it backwards. And so Pooge, bless her heart, she knew the Bible frontwards and backwards. How about that? I think there's benefit there. There's some good digging there, some good discovering there. She knew it. Uh, that, that may be a choice you'd want to make, but there's a lot, of, a lot of electronic digital tools that can help us read and just learn more and help, help just dig that shovel deeper and sink the mattock a little, a little stronger. Uh, some of our, our younger people might, might be interested in those apps even more. Uh, but you don't have to have an app on your phone or uh, a specially indexed Bible. You can just have uh, the Bible. Re- There's all kinds of recordings of Scripture that you can pump into your, your earbuds or your headphones as you're going throughout the chaos of a busy day. I heard about a guy who was in Walmart rolling his cart around with his two-year-old in, in the cart. And that two-year-old was acting like a two-year-old. And the dad was heard uh, saying, okay, now, Billy, be patient. It's okay, Billy. It's, you, can, you can handle this, Billy. And a lady was ob- observing him uh, talking that way. And she says, uh, Mr., I don't mean to interrupt you, but she says, I just really appreciate the loving, uh, caring, gentle way you're talking to your, to your little Billy. And the man replied, uh, my son's name is Patrick. My name is Billy. <laughs> Sometimes we need the peace of God pumping into our heads, telling us that our children are a gift from God. They are reward from heaven because sometimes we might overlook that fact. So we can have, we can have Scripture just kind of popping into our heads and, and playing in our minds. And, and just like uh, your GPS. Your GPS might have a, oh, I wish Bill Weimer were here. Don't, don't get Bill cranked up because he doesn't know when to stop. But he'll, he'll do this Irish thing, and it's just so funny. You can have, you can have the 23rd Psalm by, by Billy Weimer and the, the Irish dialect, or a Scottish brogue, or a German. You know what? what you can have the Bible, j- just listen to it any way you want, any message you want, any version you want. Just so many tools that are available now that they just haven't been there before. Uh, but one, one way to, to consider beginning a Bible reading, if you don't know how to begin, is to take the message of the morning, whatever the, the message is that morning. And no, noting the, 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 the verses that we share as our primary text. And then going home and looking at the rest of that chapter. This morning we're looking at Luke chapter 6. And so to, to, do, to follow that method in, for this specific message, today... You will go home and read the, the entire chapter, chapter 6 of, of the Gospel of Luke. And then the rest of the days of the week, you would read a couple of chapters before, two or three chapters before, two or three chapters after the, after the, the text, so that you could get a full understanding of the context in which this scripture was written uh, 2,000 years ago. You can get the full, the full biblical impact of it. Uh, one, uh, one tool that has been on a lot of uh, theologians and Bible students' bookshelves for years, is a little book called Haley's uh, Bible Handbook. Maybe some of you have that. I have one. It's been many, many, many editions. And for years, Haley's Bible Handbook 
was the second best seller only to the Bible. That, that's how many were sold. But there is a page in that little book that says, this is the most important thing in this book. And here's what it says. I think it's big enough that you can read it there. The most important thing in this book is this simple suggestion that each church have a congregational plan of Bible reading and that the pastor's sermon be a part of that Bible, of the Bible read this past week, thus connecting the pastor's preaching with the people's Bible reading. And you know what? We do that here. That's a part of our uh, life groups, our small groups. Some meet on Wednesday night, some others uh, meet other, other uh, times during the week. But what we do, we, we look at the text, we look at the, the sermon, and we talk about it, getting new insights, talking about ways that it applies, about statements or parts of it that really hit us in a strong way. But we review this time together and we, we get a deeper understanding of that piece of Scripture. And it's good. And that's another way that you can dig deeper in your faith is to be a part of a life group. Maybe you're a part of a life group and you can stand up and say, yes, I love those things. We love ours. Ours like, like yours, no doubt. It's amazing. But if you're not a part of a life group, why don't you try to take one for a spin? Just give it a shot and see what it's like to be a part of a group of people who love the Lord and love each other and want to, want to live out His Word. Here's what the Bible says about teamwork, just part of what it says. In Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. And life groups can bring that kind of a helper into your life. Someone who will help you not only dig deeper and discover more, but side by side they will help you and others do more about what Jesus wants Done as well. We can discover treasure together. We can build that more secure life. And Gateway is a part of that process by doing what Jesus wants done. Helping us to see it. We don't want to miss the goal. Well, we're also going a step farther this year. We've talked about our strategic theme for this year as a church. And all of our campuses is foundations. It's a strategic thing that we want to build a solid foundation on specific biblical truths. Truths that will stand the test of time because truth does that. And the first step is to believe that God is real. And then find out how scripture proves that to be true. And part of our message constructs for the coming months will be truths like God is real. God created our world. God has a plan for your life. He can be trusted. We're going to talk about the truth of heaven and hell, how you can enter one and avoid the other. Foundational truths upon which solid lives can be built. And then each last Sunday of the month, the message of the, of the morning, that morning, the last Sunday of the month, will be on one of these foundational truths. We'll follow that up in the evening with a, a training session either at this facility or in St. Albans. And everybody will be invited to learn more about how to pass these truths on to our kids, to our life groups, to people that are in our groups, and to other people who might just, might just have their antenna up for how to build a solid foundation and at the same time, we're doing that as adults, our students, and our children. 
are going to be learning these very same truths. So the goal is, as a church, together we'll be deepening that foundation of faith and building a more solid life doing what Jesus once done. And that way, our foundation will stand in the coming storms. Ephesians 5, as we wrap this up, Ephesians 5, 15, 16, tell us this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. I hope you will join us in making the best use of the time. Don't waste it. Don't spend it on frivolous things, but invest your time in something that really matters because it does matter. How we use our time. We can waste it on so many things nowadays. Or we can waste it on nothing at all. Spend it on things that don't really matter. Or we can invest it. This year. Digging deeper. Discovering more. And doing more of what Jesus wants done. And in the process. Building a house that will stand. Will you pray with me? God thank you so much. That even in the storm, we can stand. We don't know how long the storms will last, but we know our our foundation is solid. And our foundation is sufficient because it's based on the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's your son. And God, he is our savior. Lord, thank you for that privilege. We thank you for... For this group of believers that know that assurance, have that confidence. But Lord, there may be some this morning who are considering that step. Who don't know what that foundation is like. Who have never chosen to anchor their house on your foundation. Lord, we pray that even now, that that thought might move them to be led by your spirit into your arms and into your kingdom. And have their names written in that Lamb's book of life. Thank you for the privilege. And Lord, we know that's only possible by the gift of your son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for him. And we pray that you will honor, that we will honor him now and that you will move us now in this time of response. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're gonna have a, a, a time of response. And if there's anything you wanna talk about, any questions you have, anything on your mind, any prayer need that you'll have, I'd be glad to share with you. Any of our church leaders would, but just for convenience sake, I'm gonna be up here to your left. And uh, would gladly share with you if you want to uh, uh, talk a little this morning. So would you stand as we have our, our closing song?